Amen. Well, you guys could be seated. We have an opportunity this morning to, uh, to start a new book. Everybody's wondering, where do we go? Where do we go? You'd never guess. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to begin going through the Gospel of Matthew. What better time to talk about the greatest gift ever given than right after we thought about the, the greatest life ever lived, the resurrection, the power of Jesus Christ that comes upon us and gives us the ability to be more than we are. Man, no better time. No better time. So as we look at Matthew chapter 1, I know someone somewhere is saying, Matthew chapter 1 is genealogy. It's a bunch of names. It is a bunch of names. You're right. And we're going to go through them. Oh, you're kidding me. No, you know, it's funny because this, uh, this, this weekend, Kathy and I got a chance to go to a, a, a pastor's retreat up in Garden Valley with uh, all the Calvary Chapel pastors in Idaho. And we got a chance to kind of get away. And all the while, you know, I'm, I'm looking at and, and chewing on Matthew chapter 1. And I feel like God wants to really do something. And, I, and I'm excited by it because I, I have this stirring in my spirit about what I think God wants to do. But I'm looking at the text that, that I know God has directed me to. And, and I don't know how those two go together. Because he begot and they begot and we begot. And at the end of all the begots, did we get anything? Sometimes I was looking at it like that. But you know, God was... He just kept after me. I tried. I tried. I told Kathy, you know what? Forget it. We'll, we'll do Matthew in a few weeks. I'm going I'm to just go do something good. You know, Philippians. For me to live is Christ and die is gain. I mean, how can you... How can, what a great text, right? But God said no. You ever heard God say no before? God said no. And I, I want to be listening to him because more important than Jackie doing what he'd like, is that God moves in a mighty, powerful way in our life. And it's, uh, it was so much fun today because for the next uh, future, for however long that lasts, I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be meeting with the kids. So while you guys are in here worshiping and, and having a neat time with Shane, I, I got a chance to be over there with the kids and teach them about worship and, and going through, teaching them a, a few songs that I want them to learn and and some, some concepts behind worship, you know. And, and one of the things I was sharing with the kids, you know, when we become adults, we kind of start to worry about what everybody else thinks. Actually, I, let me back that up. When we become aware, we start to worry about what everybody else thinks. And we sometimes forget to teach our kids, you know, God calls us, it's okay to be undignified before Him. When I'm being undignified for Him. And I'm not being undignified for me. You guys understand the difference? So I got a chance to go back and just minister to the kids and teach them a few songs and do some praise together and, and, and watch them learn to raise their hands and, and the concept that Jesus loves me. And I realize you and I, we, we have got to grasp that concept because that, if you don't have that concept, you have nothing. Do you understand that? Everything in your Christian walk, everything that you're leading up to do, it hinges on, do you know 
that Jesus loves you. And that God in His Word, in Deuteronomy, said, here's what I want. Your sacrifices, your bowls, your offerings. That's not what I'm talking about. Here's what I want. I want you to love me with all your heart. I want you to love me with everything that's in you. And we come together and we get religious about it. And we say, well, this is how I'm going to love God. I'm going to quit smoking. Dear God, I love you. I quit smoking. Or I'm going to try to put together some work, something I do. And I'm going to do this thing. And when I do this thing, then God's going to know I love him. There's just one problem. Isaiah says, our best that we give to God is filthy rags. Filthy rags. It's garbage. The very best that we can offer to him, the very best that we can give him, is garbage. He don't want it. There's this problem in our life, guys. There's this problem that we all have, and that is God requires righteousness. Do you understand? God requires righteousness. And here's the other side of that problem. You can't be righteous. He doesn't require you to be a good person. He doesn't require, he just said your best is garbage. The best you can do is not going to measure up. He says, I want your love and you are ill-equipped to give it. So, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus, when we put our faith in him, and listen, does it matter what your faith is in? Please don't have faith in faith. That's not faith. That's just a word. I believe. Just say I believe a hundred times. That doesn't make it happen. What's your faith in? That matters a great deal. And if you consider, we got to look at our lives and say, is my faith, is my trust, am I committed? Do I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Is that where I am? Is that who I am? Is that what, because if anywhere in there I'm trying to somehow earn God's favor and, and, and earn God's blessing by what I do, just keep reminding yourself, the best you can do is filthy rags. He says, I want you to believe me. Put your faith in me. And he who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, became sin and died on the cross so that you and I could wear his righteousness only by faith. That's it. Only by faith. I place my weight in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Jesus said, a lot of people, you even get churches that come together and they'll say, hey, let's just bind everybody together. Let's just all come together and everything's okay. There's just one problem. Jesus didn't give you that opportunity. You cannot include Jesus in that group because Jesus said, I am the way. The truth, the life, 
No man can come to the Father any other way but through faith in me. That's Jesus' words. Jesus intends us to understand and place our faith and trust in him. But we get all caught up in religion, man. A religion is it's emptiness, man. Religion is putting together a string of things we do to make God happy. We're missing the, the concept. We're missing the concept that there's nothing you can do to make God happy except by faith. No man can please God except by faith. Believe. Believing His Word. Believing the promises that He lays out for us. And so we find ourselves this morning taking a look at what I think now is one of the coolest, greatest, and most incredible, if you just allow your mind to wrap around Matthew chapter 1. Consider what it is that God is laying out for us in Matthew chapter 1. Let's take a look. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. The genealogy. Matthew's going to tie together the Old Testament and the New Testament. You go through the Old Testament, sooner or later you're going to come across that phrase, right? And this is the genealogy or the generations of Adam. And this is the generations of Noah. And this is the generations of Abraham. This is the generations of Isaac. And this is the generations of Jacob. Why? Because God wants us to know what we read and what we study is about real people. And we need to take away the shades from your eyes that are saying to you and to me, we look at him and we say, Abraham, what a holy, just man. I mean, when he walked around, the things he did, he was, he was amazing. Listen, I don't want to take anything away from Abraham. He's the father of faith. And he's a sinner. And the best he could do is filthy rags. And he showed it to us. But Jesus here in his genealogy is not ashamed or afraid to say he is the son of Abraham. You know why that's important? Because God came to Abraham. God came to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12. Why don't you turn there with me real quick. Genesis chapter 12 verse 3. God came to Abraham and he had something he wanted to share with him. We'll just actually, we'll just do the whole thing. Uh, uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And the Lord said to Abram, I want you to get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, All the families of the earth will be blessed. What was God talking about? Is everyone going to be blessed because Abraham is so righteous and holy? He does everything right. He never does anything wrong. You know, he wears the right clothes. He he looks right like a person ought to look when they go to church. He does all that. Or is it based wholly and completely upon the fact that Abraham put his faith in God? You see, in Genesis chapter 12, he's still called Abram. 
right? God hadn't added to him the Ruach. The Ruach, it's a, it's a letter that God placed in Abram's name when God changed his name. When, when Abram put his faith in God, he put his trust in God, God said, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he changed his name to what? Abraham. How do you say? That's the sound, right? The Ruach. The breath. The spirit. Abraham believed God, and so God added the spirit to his name. And Jesus breathed on them in John chapter 20 and said what? Receive ye the Holy Spirit. He came to Sarai. Sarai, who was having a hard time believing the promise. What was the promise that she was having a hard time believing? That she would have a son. And that through Abraham, through his seed, singular, right? All the families of the earth will be blessed. That meant Sarai had to have a child. And she laughed. So the Lord told her, Sarai, when this child is born, I want you to name him laughter. I want you to remember. Not like, yeah, you, you, you dirty, non-believing sinner. So I want you to remember to rejoice. The way you laugh here, that's one thing. But the way you're going to laugh when you see your son, you call him laughter, Isaac, Isaac. And the Lord said, no longer will you be Sarai, but you will be Sarah. What did he add? The breath, the spirit empowered them. Was it something that they have within themselves? No. By faith, they received the power of the Holy Spirit upon their life and they became what you and I call today saved. And he says here, Jesus Christ, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, who is the son of Abraham, he is the seed. He is the seed. Says he's the son of David. What does that declare him as? The son of David declares him as the Mashiach Nagid, the Messiah, the King. Because God gave David a promise, right? Remember, David was, was really stoked in his relationship with God, and he said, You know what, Lord, I'm gonna build you a house. I have this big old, this big old palace. And God has no house, he has a tent. I'm gonna, I want to build God a house. And so he went to Nathan the prophet. And he said, Nathan, I want to build God a house. And Nathan said, well, it sounds like a good idea to me. Build him a house. So David starts planning and Nathan goes home. And when Nathan goes home, the Lord knocks on his door. Excuse me, Nathan. Yes, Lord. Did you ask me if I wanted David to build me a house? Oh, no, Lord, I, I didn't ask you. You tell David he can't build me a house. His hands are covered in blood. He can't build me a house. But I want you to tell David this. I'm going to build him a house. For there will be a son of David who will sit on the throne of David forever. For all time. 
God wasn't mad at David. David's hands were covered with blood, but his best is what? Filthy rags. Filthy rags. So God said, David, you can't do it, but I want you to know something. God's not mad at him. God makes him a promise. Messiah is going to come through you, David. Messiah. God in the flesh is going to be born through your line. He's going to save his people from that thing that's all over your hands. The blood that's on your hands. He's going to save them. He's going he's gonna to do an incredible work. This is a genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Real people, real problems. Anybody come from a real family? Anybody come from a family that's not dysfunctional? Yeah, so we're all together, right? We all have one thing in common. We're people. People have problems. We do dumb things. We cause grief on those we love. It's no different for those people through, for whom, through whom Jesus Christ came. Guys, look at what it says. It says, Abraham begot Isaac. Okay? So Abraham gives birth to laughter, the son of promise, through whom we know Messiah is going to come. But what did Abraham pass on? What did Abraham give his son? He passed on sin how do i know well listen you guys remember the story about abraham one day he goes to this place this guy named abimelech that's the title of the ruler for for that area he goes there and he's afraid abimelech is going to see his wife and go man she's hot and kill him and take his wife so what does he say tell tell him you're my sister tell him you're my sister we call that a Lie, thank you. Which makes Abraham a liar. liar. Shocking. Now, Abimelech does exactly what Abraham thinks he's going to do. He sees Sarah, who is an older woman at this time. You notice I said older. How old? She's, she's an older woman, still beautiful. Why is she so beautiful? Because the spirit of the living God is on her. Ladies, if the spirit of the living God is in your life, you are more beautiful than any gold, silver, or precious gem. Because almighty God is on you, in you, wants to work through you. No, don't ever forget that. Well, Bimelech, he, he takes her and puts her in her harem, and he has a dream because Abraham's not doing nothing. He has a dream, and God comes to him in a dream. And he says, Abimelech, you're a dead man. Anytime you have a dream when God is present, those are not words you want to hear. (laughs) You know, like Mary, when the angel came to her, highly favored, that's a lot better, right? When God looks at you and says, you're a dead man, that's not good. And Abimelech says, what I do? Well, besides the fact that we are all sinners, Abimelech. You got a man's wife in your harem. And so God busts Abraham. And Abimelech, he comes out and he gives Sarah back to Abraham. And he says, you know, you knucklehead, you almost got me killed. What are you doing? And we think that story's over, right? You ever read about Isaac, his son? Married this beautiful woman. 
Ah, uh, Rebecca was gorgeous. Why was she so beautiful? Spirit of the living God was in her. And he went to this place where this ruler ruled. His name was Abimelech. And he thought to himself, man, my wife's pretty hot. And I better come up with some kind of story to keep me from getting killed. So he told his wife to say, you're my Doesn't this all sound familiar? The same thing happened again. Because every father passes to his sons and daughters a sin nature. Every father passes to his children a sin nature. So when we look at it, Abraham, what did he pass on to Isaac? The ability to lie. And then we come from Isaac, it says, and Isaac begot Jacob. Do we really have to get into Jacob, folks? (laughs) Jacob's name itself means supplanter. Jacob from the womb was trying to pull his brother back in so he could get past him. While he's being born, Esau comes out and Jacob would not let go of his heel. So they called him Jacob, heel catcher, supplanter, deceiver, manipulator. And what did Jacob do his whole life? Lied and deceived and manipulated. And then one day he meets God, right? One day he meets God face to face. The scripture says that he wrestled with him, right? He wrestled. I always picture this like it was when I wrestled with my kids. You ever wrestle with your kids and you lay down and you're like, oh, you got me. You know what I mean? That's the way he was wrestling with God. He's wrestling with the Lord Jesus Christ. He couldn't get over the concept. The idea is he he struggles with God ruling and reigning in his life. And so he's wrestling with God. And God whooped him. And it says the Lord touched his hip. And it came out of socket. Anybody had an out of socket hip before? Anybody had an out of socket anything? I was uh, coaching football. You can't coach football without an out of socket story, right? <laughs> I coached football and I had this young kid. He's out there and he, the play happens and everything's good. He comes running over to the sideline and he says, Coach! He holds up his hand. And his two fingers are pointed the wrong way. His pinky and the one next to it, pink, st- sticking sideways. Well, that ain't good. They're not supposed to point that way, are they? It's the last time your fingers pointed that way. I had this coach. I had a special coach for those cases. So I sent him over to Coach Don. Coach Don's job was to put it back in socket. Tape it up and get him back out there. We got a football game to play. Save the drama for your mama. Get back on the field. <laughs> some, things, some things are just ingrained in man sometimes. Anyhow, for Jacob, his hip is out of socket. But every time someone comes face to face with God, something in their life changes and they are never the same. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarah, 
or Sarai becomes Sarah. Jacob becomes Israel, governed by God. We see in his life so evidently the dual nature within us, right? The sin nature, Yaakov, deceiver, manipulator. When we try to come to God on our terms and say, I'll be good enough. I'm going to do the right things. I'll do things that make God happy. We try to do all that. We're Jacob. But our best is what? But when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we become like Israel. God governs us, guides us, leads us. God wants us to walk in His Spirit. He wants us to understand these are real guys. We look at them and we think somehow in life they walked around with halos. They did not. They were people like you and me. They told lies. They stole. They murdered. They did all kind of crazy things. But God says, I am not ashamed to be known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Lord says this to you and I. If we acknowledge him before men, he will acknowledge me before his father. But if I deny him before men, he will deny me before his father. Is your trust in Jesus Christ? Your faith in Him, even as these. The Scripture goes on to say, Jacob begot Judah. Judah's name means praise, by the way. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. And Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Anybody see a problem yet? Oh, well let me help you see the problem. Tamar is a woman. You seen any women in the genealogy? There's going to be five. Five women that are named in Jesus' genealogy. I believe that when God does that, when God puts something in there, he's saying, check it out. There is something to this. What's the story of Tamar? Tamar married Judah's uh, oldest boy, right? Tamar married Judah's oldest boy, and, and he was very wicked in the sight of God. Extremely wicked. And so the Bible says God took his life. And there was a rule within their society that said if the older brother dies not having any children with his wife, then that wife is passed to the next son. Some people are saying, I'm glad we don't have that rule anymore. Let me tell you what would happen if you did. You would take a little more care in who your brother was marrying. (laughs) He brings her home and all the boys are looking like, "Um, okay, that's okay. She could end up being mine later on. I got to be careful. Tamar was passed to the next son. But Judah's next son was wicked as well. He refused to give Tamar a child. And so God killed him. What? What's the best we can do? Filthy rags. What's the what's the wages of sin? So when that happens, people just getting paid. That's all it is. Oh, but he, he was good. No. Let's go back. Rule number one. 
There is none righteous, no, not one. How many good people are there? None. Jesus Christ himself said, there is none good but God. So how many good people are there? None. None. So God took his second son. So Judah has one more son. But he's starting to look at Tamar like uh, she's a black widow. I had three sons. I'm down to one. I'm not giving her to him. But he told her, when he gets old enough, I'll give him to you. But, but as she waited around, he never did. He never did. He never gave his youngest son to her. So she took off her mourning clothes and she put on the clothes of a prostitute. And she went out and she waited alongside a road that she knew Judah would be traveling. And Judah, when he's traveling down that road, he looks over and he sees his prostitute and he says, Hey, let's go. She says, What will you give me? Well, I'll give you a goat or a couple sheep or something out of my flock. She says, well, until you have that, what will you give me? Well, here, take my staff, my signet ring. And that'll be guarantee that I'll, I'll keep my promise to pay you. And he went and he lied with Tamar. And Tamar got up, got dressed, went back home. Judah came back with the, the sheep and the goat, but she was gone. And he figured, oh, I just lost a rod, my staff, my signet ring. What's a big deal? And, and he goes home. But time passes. And word comes to the people. Hey. Tamar is pregnant. And Judah says, burn her. Burn her? Burn her. Guys, that's what self-righteousness always says. When we look at ourselves as though we somehow are righteous, and I'm not as low as that. Well, I would never do that. I would never be like Tamar. I would never make those choices. I would never see that. Then we, like Judah, will shout, burn her. But what was Judah? Was Judah a saint? Or a sinner? Just like her. Burn her. So they bring her to burn her. She says, let me talk to Judah for a minute. And they put, him in a, put her in the room where Judah was. And she comes to Judah and she says, I am pregnant by the man who owns this staff and this ring. Burner? Because she was playing the harlot with who? That's how it always works, man. Self-righteousness, legalism kills every single time. Judah said, you've been more righteous than me. She had twins. She's part of the lineage of God. She's part of the family through whom Jesus Christ was born. Jesus picked this family with Tamar to say, I love Tamar. God says, I don't love what she did. I don't love the choices that she made, but I love her. I know her name. So, Tamar begot Perez and Zerah. And Perez begot Hezron. And Hezron begot Ram. And Ram begot Aminadab. And Aminadab begot Nashan. And Nashan begot Salmon. And Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. 
wait a minute, it happened again. We were cruising there for a minute. We have all these names of men who are what? Sinners, right? Are they saints? No, they're sinners. Sinners. Every single one of them. And we come, and all of a sudden, at Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Who was Rahab? Rahab was a harlot. That's Bible words for Rahab was a prostitute. And Rahab lived in a land called Jericho. You guys remember Jericho? And before God gave the orders of how to take Jericho, God spoke to the heart of Joshua, Yehoshua, and said to him, hey, send a couple of spies out. Now, if you know the story of the Battle of Jericho, what did the spies need to tell? What exactly? Uh, The wall is weakest at this point. You can attack them in this gate at this time because the guards change. Is that the kind of battle plan they use? God knew the battle plan already, didn't he? Did the battle plan include any kind of espionage? Did they need espionage to walk around the outside of the city seven days? They didn't need any espionage. God sent into the city two spies, and they miraculously ended up where? Rahab's house. And Rahab says to them, The God of heaven and earth is with you. And we know it. And I know I know that he's given you the land. And I want to know what I need to do to be saved. Do you understand the ramifications of that story? God went to this trouble to reach one prostitute in the city that nobody cared about. Nobody looked at her twice. Nobody cared anything about her. But God in heaven, he cared. He said, Joshua, send two spies. And they came to Rahab. And Rahab said, I believe the God of heaven and earth is with you. And I believe that he can save me. Tell me what I need to do. How can I be saved? And they said to her, You hang outside of your window this scarlet cord. Why did they say that? Scarlet cord? Why scarlet? Because the blood of Jesus Christ washes us clean. And they said to her, anyone who comes into your house will be saved. But I don't like Rahab's house. I like that house over there. It's a little bit bigger. It's nicer. It's in a better neighborhood. You know, Rahab is a harlot and she's in a bad part of town. And I want to be saved in a good part of town. So I'm going to go in that house. Could you be saved? No. One way through Jesus Christ. One way. By the blood of Jesus Christ applied through faith in your life. Washes us from filth to faith. Makes us clean. One little phrase. One little phrase in a genealogy. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. 
But the story of Rahab is a story of a lost sinner who put her faith and trust in God and was saved. And now she's in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Her name is written in the book. Her son's Boaz is the name of one of the pillars in the temple. His name means strength. But the scripture goes on. We got another one right here. See, I told you guys we're only going to get through this. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Ruth, it didn't even wait for another verse. It happened again. Why does it happen again? Because God's saying, listen, don't just fly through this stuff like it's not important. Because every word in a word of God is there for a reason. There's a story behind every one of those names. Every single one. Ruth, the Moabitess. Ruth, the Moabite. You know what God said about Moab? Moab is a toilet. That's what God said. Oh, I don't see the toilet in the Bible anywhere, Jackie. Okay. He said, Moab is my wash pot. What's a wash pot? I just told you. So... He said, Moab is a a toilet. And one day, Naomi and her entire family who lived in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread, got up and moved to Moab, which is a toilet, to raise her family in the... And that didn't work out very good. And all of her sons married Moabitist women, and all of her children were very sickly because she named her children puny and sickly. That's how we know her children were puny and sickly. <laughs> Chilon and Malion. That's, that's what it means. And they all die. And Naomi's husband dies. And, and they get sick. Well, what do you expect? Where are they living? In the toilet. Anybody here want to live in a toilet? Huh. Oh, every, every person's life tells a story. So Naomi said, I'm going back to the house of bread. I'm going back to Bethlehem. I'm going back because I know that God is in that place. And Ruth said to her, wherever you go, I go. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. And she left the toilet. And she went back to the house of bread. And while she's in the house of bread, picking for scraps left at this rich guy's field, she bumps into the owner of the field, a rich guy named Boaz. And Boaz marries Ruth. Boaz, strength. Boaz, a picture of Jesus Christ. Ruth, a Gentile. Does Jesus Christ ever take a Gentile bride? Well, who's the church? A Gentile bride, the bride of Christ. There is no longer now Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, men or women. All are one where? In Christ. Becomes a picture of this, of this romance between Jesus and the church. And Boaz begot Obed from Ruth. And Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesse love David? 
It's his son, right? I mean, you have to love your son, don't you? Well, if you love your son, let me ask you this question. If you love your son on the greatest day of your family's history, when the, the prophet of the entire nation is coming to your house, the prophet, not a prophet like him, the prophet, the prophet everybody listens to, the prophet who directs a king, the prophet over everything, and he's coming to your family for dinner. And everyone from your family is invited except one person. Who's the one person that's not invited? The one you love the most. Why do you think David, when he was in the field, wrote, The Lord is my shepherd? Because he didn't have a shepherd at home. Anybody ever grow up with a father that's not a great father figure? David can say, I've been there. But the Lord is my father now. And David, the scripture goes on to tell us, through David, what happens? David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. You remember her name? Bathsheba. God doesn't want us to forget Uriah's name. People tend to forget Uriah. You know, Uriah was one of David's mighty men. He was one of David's mighty men. And David killed him for his wife. David is a sinner. Just like every person in this list. But God loved David, didn't he? And David loved God. With all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. David begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. And Solomon begot Rehoboam. And Rehoboam begot Abijah, and Abijah begot Asa. And Asa begot Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzziah. And Uzziah begot Jotham, and Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah. And there's a guy who wanted to follow the Lord. One day the Lord came to Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah... It's time for you to come home. Hezekiah didn't like that. So he said, Lord, please, Lord, I don't want to go home. I don't want to die. I want to just give me a few more years. So the Lord said, well, it's not the best, Hezekiah. Oh, please, Lord, just a few more years. All right. So he gave him more years. And he gave birth to a son named Manasseh. Manasseh was wicked in the sight of God. So much so that Manasseh offered his own child on the altar. Watched him burn. Played the drums to drown out the screams. Hezekiah, just a man. Sinner like you and me. The good news about Manasseh, man, he'd done horrible things in his life, but God loved him. And he turned his eyes toward the Lord in the end. I believe God saved him and we'll see Manasseh in heaven. Manasseh, who killed his own children. But there he is. 
in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Manasseh begot Ammon. Ammon begot Josiah. Ah, Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah. And his brothers, about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Sheltiel. And Sheltiel begot Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel begot Abuad. And Abuad begot Eliakim. And Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok. Zadok begot Achim, and Achim begot Eliud, and Eliud begot Eliezer, and Eliezer begot Methan, and Methan begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. All of a sudden, at the end of the genealogy, it all changes. It all changes. All of a sudden, it says, it doesn't say, and Joseph begot Jesus, did it? Said, and Joseph was married to Mary. Because Jesus didn't have an earthly father, did he? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the Proto-Evangelicum, the first mention of the gospel in the scriptures, declared that the seed of the woman would destroy the work of Satan. The seed of the woman. Remember what I told you every father passes on to his son? Sin. But Jesus had a different father, didn't he? He passed something on to his son too. It's called righteousness. And Jesus was born of Mary. His stepdad, Joseph. That's Joseph's genealogy we just read. The legal line. In the, in the Gospel of Luke, we have Mary's genealogy, the bloodline. Men, when we get to Luke, I'll tell you why that's important. <laughs> but here, what I want us to grasp is, is we're going to... I know you can hardly believe it, but we're almost done. What I really want you to grasp this morning is that God's family... the. Jesus' earthly family was all made up of sinners. And Jesus, at one time in his ministry, Jesus, he, he, he goes to a guy named Simon's house. And when he goes to Simon's house, this woman comes over to him. And, and she's just weeping, weeping and crying at his feet. And she sees some of the tears drip down on his, on his, on his feet. You know, they wear sandals then, like me. Sandals are holy, by the way. They're in the Bible. And the tears dripped on, the, on his dirty feet. And she saw this, this little dash of, of clean on those dirty feet. And she was thinking about how much she loved him. She let her hair run down on top of it and she washed the mud from her tears and the dirt on Jesus' feet with her hair. Because she loved him. She loved him. He was her primary obsession. What's your primary obsession? Listen, man, if it is something else, 
Don't deceive yourself. When Jesus said, when the scripture said in John chapter 1, to all who received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of men. That means to receive Jesus Christ. Not to make room in your life. Not to say, Lord, you can have this closet, this nice little spot in my life. I'm going to etch it out. I'm going to cut you out one whole day in my week, God. And I'm going to fit you in this one whole day of my week. And you climb in that one whole day of my week. And the rest of the week is mine. But I promise I'll come visit you every single Sunday. Don't fool yourself into thinking that is what it means to receive him. Think about her. The guy that was eating dinner with him, his name was Simon. And Simon didn't even speak it. Simon just looks at her with disgust because he knows who she is. She's dirty. She's a sinner. In fact, Simon, if he had touched her on the street, would have to rush home, take a shower and change his clothes and not talk to anyone for the rest of the day because he would be unclean. But Almighty God, sitting on the floor with dirty feet and she's washing them with her tears, I would say, That's expressing love to God with your whole heart. Simon thinks in his mind, if Jesus knew what kind of person she was, he wouldn't let her touch him. So he can't be the Messiah. He can't be the promised one from God. He can't be the fulfillment of all the scripture. He let her touch him. I would like to say, Simon... Do you pay attention to the genealogy of Jesus and see the women that are in his life? Did you look? Because right now Simon thinks Abraham is holy. Abraham's holy because the righteousness of God is on him by faith. The same way you are holy. Jesus, knowing what Simon's thinking, he says, Simon, when I came here, You didn't greet me with a kiss. That's like saying you didn't shake my hand when I came in. You you gave me no greeting. You gave me no greeting. But she hasn't ceased kissing my feet. He says, Simon, when I came to your house, common decency would require you to at least have one of your servants wash my feet. But you didn't offer that to me. And she washes my feet with her tears. So Jesus said, Two guys owed a great debt. One owed billions. One owed just a little. Both were forgiven. Which one loves more? And Simon said, I suppose the one who was forgiven more. Yeah, it's true. But in the story, the sinner with the great debt is Simon. 
The problem is, Simon doesn't believe he's a sinner. He doesn't believe he's a sinner. So he doesn't love Jesus with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He disdains him because Jesus hangs out with sinners, publicans, people that aren't worth much. But God would say in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that seeks after God. God sought us. I love a song, East to West. I like songs for little phrases in them. You guys know what I mean? And the song East to West ends with that, this little phrase for me, which is the end all beat all for me. He says at the end, finally, he comes to the realization at the end of the song, I'm not holding on to you. You're holding on to me. I didn't reach out to God. He reached out to me. I just turned to him and said, save me. He was already there. He's already here. He's here right now. Do you believe today that our world needs people like that woman who loved Jesus with their whole heart? Do you believe that our world needs people who are not ashamed to say, I love God so much, I don't care if I look like a monkey. I love God so much, I'm not afraid to dance and sing. I love God so much, I'm not afraid to lift my hands in praise. I love God so much, I'm not afraid to do anything for Him. Even lie at His feet and, and wash them with my tears. Because I'll tell you this. Simon, he wouldn't, he wouldn't look foolish for Jesus. He wouldn't be uncomfortable for him. Because he didn't love him. God's word says that we're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I certainly want to do that. Does anybody not want to do that? Sorry, I put you on the spot. God's word says love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to do it, but I can't do it on my own. And it's not about trying to do things. It's not about what Jackie said. I watched Jesus with my tears, but he's not here. How, what do I got to do? 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 You got to get that word out of your vocabulary. The best we can do is what? Filthy rags. Filthy rags. So what can I do? Nothing. What does he want me? To trust him. Put my faith in him. God, I want to love you. I want to know how to love you. Uh, Jackie said that for me to love you, I have to dance and sing. So the next time we sing a song, I'm going to dance all around, and I'm going to show God that I love him. What is the best that you can do? 
So is that how we're going to do it? Yeah. He's just knocking off my list, Jackie. I don't know what you expect me to do. I expect you to trust him. To believe him. I expect you to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. I expect you to make every day the Lord's day. I expect you to make every moment the Lord's moment. I expect you to make him primary. I can't do that. You're right. That's why Romans 5 says that the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So let me get this right. I need to come to God. He wants a relationship with me, but I have to be righteous and I can't be righteous. That's right. So Jesus came and he died for me and he put his righteousness on me by faith. If I put my trust in him, he makes me righteous. That's right. And then God says, all he wants from me is that I love him with all my heart. That's right. But I don't know how to do that. I, 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 I don't know what to do. I can't do anything because the best I do is filthy rags. You're right again. We're doing really good right now. So, then, then the Bible says that the love of God, my ability to love God is poured into my life by the Holy Spirit who I receive by faith. And the Holy Spirit, I, I need to surrender to Him. I need to, be, I need to be holy and sweetly broken and allow God to do the work God does, man. He loves us. And until we realize that, we flounder in religion like Simon. And we snub our nose at the woman crying at his feet. But she's just like one of Jesus' grandmas, right? Rahab, the harlot. Tamar, who played the prostitute. Bathsheba, who was an adulteress. Ruth, the Moabitess. Real family, real people. God's real. And he wants you in reality, not just our leftovers. Why don't you guys stand with me? We're going to have a moment to, to receive... Uh, the cup, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But listen, before we do that, before we do that, I just want to provide an opportunity. I want to provide an opportunity because here, here is what I believe. I believe God's people are are really struggling with the ability to stand and be a witness for Him because we are able to hide. Hey, I do it too. We're able to hide because I can say, if you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, raise your hand or say this prayer softly to yourself. But you and I know it takes more than that, doesn't it? Listen, guys, if we can't stand here, we will never stand.
when it counts. So we're just going to have a time of invitation. And in that time of invitation, as Shane shares his song, and I know that preacher talked for too long again. I'll talk to him, I promise. But, man, this is important. So here's what I want. If you have never made a stand for Jesus Christ, but you want to be able to stand for Him, I want you to come up front. And we're going to pray. And I want you, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you want the one who loves us with a maddening, crazy, furious love, And I want you to come up and learn how to love Him back by receiving Him as your Savior and being anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit on salvation. But I want you to come. And afterwards, we're going to receive the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're going to proclaim Him until He comes. So as we worship, come.